Your Locked On Maple Leafs. Your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio. Also, Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Locked On Leafs. And if you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and review as well. That would be much, much appreciated. Leafs Nation, I'm sorry. It happened. I didn't think it was going to happen, but it did. The Leafs coughed up that 3-1 series lead to the Montreal Canadiens and got exited from the playoffs in round one once again. I'm just as disappointed as you are, and to join me to chat about is another man who's just as disappointed as all of us, and that is Sean Woodley, the host of Locked On Raptors, who... Didn't quite have as lucky a season, I guess, as Toronto did because you didn't even get a playoffs to cover. But also big-time Maple Leaf fan, and I know you're hurting. Give me your raw <laughs> thoughts, man. Thoughts on this one. It's actually better that the Raptors didn't make it because they didn't have to go through that or anything <laughs> relating to that. Um, yeah, man, that was... Uh... Let's start One of the tonight's... more demoralizing yeah. hockey games. The kind of hockey game that kind of makes you question why you watch hockey, honestly. Right? Right? <laughs> like, I, I, I'm just like... getting angry. I don't, I don't have happiness. I'm not cheery during this game. I was angry through the entire game. Why do I want to watch something that just makes me angry? Like, the first 20, yeah. the first 45 minutes of this game was awful. It's very reminiscent to game yeah. six, actually, where the Leafs just didn't wake up. The first few minutes, the first two periods of this game, the Leafs did not wake up. The Leafs did not want to win this game. They just didn't want to. Yeah. They had, what, 12 shots, 14 shots through two periods? This is a do-or-die game seven. You're the Toronto Maple Leafs. You average almost four goals a game, and you were peddled to the metal all year long, and all of a sudden, you're forgetting how to play hockey. It was just yeah. such a frustrating game. So frustrated, which makes it so much worse. If they would have given an effort and, and, and you know, at least, you know, I, I get Carey Price is unbelievable. I understand mm-hmm. that. He made some big saves tonight. But it's not like he was this all-world goalie today. Didn't really have to be. The least didn't have that many grade-A chances that he had to stop. Made a couple, but he certainly, you know, didn't make like a 50-save effort where he stood on his head and stole the game. Oh, the graphic that got me after the second period, when I think the Leafs had like 14 shots on goal after two, Yep. the graphic that got me was that seven of their shots were from the right point, most of which off the stick of Justin Hall. <laughs> and like, yeah, Justin Hall is, is good. He's nice. If he's like your leading offensive producer, something's gone horribly awry. Yeah. And I don't even know. It, it, it's just, it kind of defies all logic, right? And I did not really begrudge them all that much for games uh five and six honestly because like look it's like coin flip stuff they did a good job of battling back there were some weird goals like i thought they played well and they drove play for the most part but you get to this game and like it's weird because i find myself wanting to like defend the leafs in a way because (laughs) it seems just entirely 
hockey. It's very, it's just like, it's just so hockey of a team that kind of dominates the run of play for most of a series to yeah. lose in seven and lose in like embarrassing fashion. But like, they're not really giving me a lot of ammo to defend them with, with how they played in game seven, because it was just embarrassing. It was like Columbus last year in game five or whatever the deciding game was there where there's just like no fight. It's just like, yeah, we're, we'll, we'll figure it out eventually. And they do this thing where, oh, we're down two with eight minutes left in the third. I guess we should try now. <laughs> right. And then they do, oh. but it's too late. And it's just like you can't find the magic of that comeback against Columbus last year and the comebacks in these two games against Montreal all the time. It's just it's not going to happen. And I just I don't even know where to like start pointing fingers. I know like Marner's probably the main guy people are going to be upset with. And that's fair to a large degree, but I just, uh, I'm baffled, man. I, I just, I don't know how you can have that talented a team against the Montreal team that like, let me give it some credit. Like they're more talented than I gave them credit for when they added yep. Caulfield. Like it's funny enough when they started playing their good players, oh, they, they looked better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Funny <laughs> yeah. Like, works, oh huh? yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> when you put in the talented guy who scores lots of goals, uh, things get better for your team. And so I think they, on whole, once they put in Kotkaniemi and put in Caulfield, they were definitely better and more talented and more potent. But still, like, it's just, there's no excuse. And I know, you know, I don't know how much the Tavares thing weighs on this either, right? Like, I, you know, you kind of have the one line. And if Philip Deneau is shutting down your top line and your next line is relying on Nick Felino to do stuff for you, then that's a problem too. And the Tavares thing, I think, weighs heavy kind of in retrospect. But yeah, it's a it's a really really embarrassing loss, and I, I don't really know where to start or like where to even begin looking at the off season. There's just there's no easy way to kind of move forward. Yeah, we'll we'll get to the off season a little a little bit later. I don't think I'm quite ready to turn the page sure. on this game. There's still <laughs> no a no. Let's bit wallow more, please. There's still a little <laughs> bit of rage left in me, and and I, you know why this game is so infuriating, and why I feel like. This this is more frustrating than than other years. Like maybe this I don't know if this is as bad as like the four one collapse in twenty thirteen, but this is definitely the worst Leafs loss. It, it rivals it. I, I right now mm. I feel like it's worse, but I feel like a couple of years from now when I look at this rationally, where I'm not putting emotion into it, I'll say no, it, it wasn't as bad. But right now. It may be just as bad, if not worse, than than that Boston. And the reason why is because up until this year, any of those losses that the Leafs have had where they've squandered uh, their Game 7 opportunities, the chance to advance, they were never supposed to win. They've never been mm-hmm. favored. But this year was supposed to be different. This year, they were favored. They were actually the better team going in, both on paper and on the ice. Everywhere you look in this lineup, except for in between the crease. And Jack Campbell didn't even play bad. Jack Campbell may have been the second or third best player on the Maple Leafs throughout this entire playoff run, which is unfortunate that they squandered a, a terrific goaltending um, performance throughout the last you know few few couple weeks. But it was supposed to be different. We were supposed to have faith that the guys that they brought in, the Thorntons, the Simmons, the Bogosians, spending a first-round pick to get Nick Felino, these guys were supposed to mold this young core that had struggled over the last couple of years and put them over the top and kind of get over that hump, and they were going to settle the nerves in a Game 7 or in, in a game where they could put a team away, and it didn't happen. 
It did yeah. not happen. And they, all of them, every single one of them, all just kind of fell flat today. And in game six, the last two games, I think Toronto may have played maybe 15 minutes of good hockey combined within the 120-plus periods of play when you factor in overtime. Yeah, That's I mean, what I thought they it... were pretty good. After the first, like, 10 minutes of game six, I thought they pretty much carried the play. I mean, they outshot them, like, 41-20 after the first five minutes when the Hats well, had the 10 shots early on. The and third like, period, they... they the OT, tonight. they were in Montreal's end the entire time yeah, and just happened sure. to give up the goal at an inopportune time. Like That's the thing, is it's like... I don't know, like, for you, who's, like, the biggest culprit? Like, who do you point blame at? Because I don't even really, it's just, like, is it the whole team? Is it just, like, this sort of weird cursed voodoo? Like, I don't even know, man. I just, I can't wrap my head around, like, where things went wrong because they're so clearly the better team of the two just on paper. Like, it's not even a question. And it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, if you're going to pick, I don't think you can pick one guy. I think collectively, like as a group, they just didn't come to play as well as as they needed to. Like, realistically, mm-hmm. I can count on one hand how many players I think uh, were like consistently good throughout the entire series. Like Morgan Riley mm-hmm. had a great series. William Nylander was the best player on the ice on both sides of the of the of the teams. Um, yeah. I thought he was the best player in this series, and fittingly, got the only goal tonight. And outside of that, I mean, like Brody, I guess, was was pretty good. I thought Kerfoot had his moments. But notice how I'm leaving a lot of big names off this yeah. list. Namely, Mitch Marner. Like, yeah, Marner had was bad. A, a, a horrendous playoff. And this is the third year in a row, which makes it even bad. And tonight's game was the worst of them all, which makes it that much more infuriating. Like, he came out today and said, you know, uh, we didn't wake up game six in time. We didn't start the game right. You know, we can't. We got to make sure that we we start the game at puck drop for game seven and get going, blah, blah. Okay, well, where was that? You, you going to walk the walk or are you just going to talk the talk? Because he didn't do that today. And that's what was so annoying. Like, he was he, his turnover is what caused the first goal for, for Brendan Gallagher. He turns it over mm-hmm. trying to bring it over the blue line. And it's going the other way, and it's a goal. You know, turnovers have been... Also, Campbell should have had that one. For that was sure. Brutal for that sure. was like Patrick Lalime stuff. <laughs> I'll, I'll sit like, I don't want to harp on um, on Campbell too much because... No, he like, was great the entire series. Exactly. He had the one hiccup, and they you should allow, have been able to give him more goal support. That legitimately may have been like the one muffin that he allowed all series long. Yeah. Unfortunately, it turned out to be pretty pretty costly in the end but so i have a a bit of a, a a sort of feeling on who to really point fingers at here and i mean i guess it's in a way kyle dubas even though i think dubas does a good job for the most part and i don't think he should lose his job over this i know what? there will be calls for his head but i don't think he should lose his job by any means there's but... a lot of calls for his i put out a poll on twitter just um about who <laughs> is to blame for this marner's leading the way but Kyle dubas did come in in second and i'm curious yeah. because he's not even the second probably not even the third person that i put blame on and i'm curious why you believe that dubas shares a big load of blame here for what transpired yeah. well so it's just a specific sort of team building thing right and it's the 
getting lots of old guys thing. You know, like I love Joe Thornton, Jason Spezza, Wayne Simmons. Absolutely adore them. It was super cool having them on the team. It was really fun. The idea that those guys potentially winning their first cup, which ha ha ha, that's funny. Uh, but those guys <laughs> winning their first cup would have like forced neutrals to potentially root for the Leafs to succeed. So those guys could win their cups. Um, and you can throw Felino in there as well. Cause I don't think the Felino pickup really did anything for anybody at the deadline. No. Um, but like having Felino, Thornton, Spezza, Simmons be a third of your lineup, there's not a lot of scoring punch there. Yes, Spezza had a good series, but there's not a lot of speed. There's not a lot of skill anymore. Like those guys had their day, but they're not in that day anymore. And so when you do have the Dano line doing such a good job against Matthews and, and Hyman and Marner, then inevitably you're going to need those guys down the lineup to score. And they just, they didn't have the juice. Joe Thornton could barely move. And He's out there on the power play and it just, it doesn't really compute. Whereas like, I know Nick Robertson, like, you know, had his injury at the start of the year. I'm not really sure where he's at right now. I haven't paid a ton of attention, like to the back part of the regular season, truth be told. But like, if you had a Nick Robertson in there, you had some extra skill in those spots. I feel like you'd be a lot better equipped to kind of counter that, you know, one line, which you you come across in every playoff, right? Like every team, is going to have their best player shadowed by the opposing team's best defensive forward. That's how it works. And you need, that's why the depth scoring comes into play here. And they just didn't have it other than Nylander. You know, when the Tavares thing happens, that takes away that second line in a, in a big way, right. as much as Galchenyuk and Kerfoot tried. I mean, it's asking a lot of those guys who are third liners at best to be second line production for you. And Thornton, Spezza, Felino, Simmons, it just having all four of those guys in the lineup at once seems like a lot and really kind of hampers your ability to to score when you absolutely need it. You can only play those main guys, you know, for a certain amount of time. I liked anytime Marner, Matthews, Nylander played together, like the kind of overcomes the Deno factor a little bit. But even then, it's just not enough. And they didn't play that lineup enough. Just 355 per natural stat trick right now for that line in this game. You'd figure you'd load up that top line a little bit more uh, to try to to drive some play like they did the entire series whenever they did play together. So it's just the lack of depth down the lineup and the lack of just dudes who can still skate with younger players. <laughs> it just to me, and I don't know if that's like Dubis trying to like appease the media that called for them to be a harder team to play against. And right. so he goes and gets those guys and gets that veteran. And I wonder if it's just like a, a season long long con in this fake pandemic season where Dubas is like, Hmm, winning a cup this year won't actually count for anything. So let's really try to own the columnists who really want us to play tough and have experience, <laughs> bring all these guys in, have the team flounder. And then we can go back to the skill thing when <laughs> it clearly, clearly doesn't work. I don't think he's playing that 3d chess, obviously, but it, it does kind of, it's just a glaring thing when you have those guys at the bottom of the lineup. And like, when I'm clamoring for like Adam Brooks to play because he actually offers some speed and juice, that's kind of a problem. Stocks, beams, rocket ships, day trading can be a lot of fun, but if you want to grow your long-term wealth and make it to the moon, you should open up a Wealthfront investment account today. Investing can be complicated, but whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first 5000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL. All you need is 500 get started. Grow your wealth in an easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. To get your first 5,000 managed free for life, go to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL. 
That's W-E-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash locked on NHL to start growing your savings. Go to wellfront.com slash locked on NHL and get started today. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for your auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and to choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, price at Rock Auto are always reliably low and the same for the professionals as the do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or your truck and write locked on on their how'd you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Yeah, I'm I, I'm not as as uh, upset with like the lack of depth scoring as you are, I think. I, I actually thought that the depth pulled their weight like you know what I mean the second line was great um obviously Nylander did did outstanding you could say that he wasn't really secondary scoring but when you think about it it's supposed to be that top line of Matthews and Marner who are supposed to get all the big goals and then you get that supplemental scoring from your Nylanders your Spetsas Thornton got a goal Hyman got a goal Galchenyuk got a Kerfoot got one you get a couple goals from your defenseman that's kind of how it's supposed to work the problem was just the big boys did not score. Mitch Marner, not a single goal. Between the two, they have one goal in seven games between those two. A sub-two mm-hmm. shooting percentage. Sub-two yeah. shooting percentage with Mitch Marner and uh, and Austin Matthews. And, like, you take a look at, at, I guess you take tonight away where they lost by two. But you take a look at the three losses that brought this to game six. They're all one-goal games, two of which went to overtime. That line, those two players... You should count on that top line to be getting at least one goal each game. Not each, not yeah. both of them getting, but at least one of them. You can include Hyman too. And all of a sudden, you now aren't losing those games in overtime. You're winning them in re- in regulation, or you're not losing in game one when Paul Byron scored late in the third period, and you lose two one because you already had that additional goal from that top line, and now it's only going to overtime instead of losing in regulation. It was that top yeah. unit to me that deserves to take. All of the blame. I thought Dubis actually did a really good job of setting this team up. I, 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 there was many, many, many moves that he made this summer. This summer, also, well, I guess it was technically what the winter because the you know pandemic thing. Um, <laughs> it's the summer. It counts as the summer, <laughs> right? Exactly. The off season. Um, it's and then been he, summer for fourteen months in my brain. Basically, basically. <laughs> Uh, and, and, like, I even was a fan of the Felino trade, and it's unfortunate that he got injured and clearly was not playing at 100%, and that hampered him massively when he came back into the game for Game 6. You noticed it right away. Uh, like, I would put Keefe at fault over Dubis, to be honest with you, because mm. I felt that, especially in Game 6 and 7, he was way too married to his lineup card. Way too married yeah. to it. Oh, it took him. I, trust me, I put Keith ahead of Dubis as well on my blame list. Don't yeah. you worry. I, yeah. Like the Dubis thing, you know, it, it's purely bottom of the roster stuff, which, you know, any GM can screw up at a given time or you know, whatever it might but, be. But you're not but even yeah, talking I mean, about the bottom of the roster not producing if your top of the roster is and you're winning sure. games. And also, if the top of your roster is like scoring on the power play, which obviously <laughs> lies in large part with the coaching staff, like, so help me here because I am 
during the regular season, I'm focused on basketball and covering the Raptors mostly. And I'm not getting to like watch the Leafs night tonight. I kind of, I listen to your podcast to keep up on things and I, you know, just kind of follow the box scores and stuff like that. Why was the power play so miserable with this many high powered players? Like I, I don't understand at all. It just doesn't compute. Is it just predictability? Like, and obviously the coaching staff obviously has some blame here too. Yeah. Million dollar question. How is this power play, which is chock full of talent, so anemic? It made yeah. absolutely no sense. Um, predictability is is definitely, I think, the main reason for it. And mainly, I think it's just because there wasn't enough shooters on on the power play, especially once Tavares got injured, like sp- specifically in the, in the playoffs, at least. Like, once Tavares went down... For whatever reason, it took him way too long to even put Nylander on PP2. They were trying mm-hmm. Thornton and Hyman for the longest time, and, and eventually in Game 6, he made the swap. But still, it, there just wasn't any shooters. So the only guy who was shooting the puck with any type of force and any type of of um, effectiveness was Matthews. So all the defending team had to do was just shade and cheat towards Austin because that's where the puck was going to end up. Everyone knows mm-hmm. that because that's yeah. exactly what would happen. So he wasn't really able to score on the power play. Marta was uh, too afraid to shoot. They don't really have a big shot from the point. They had, you know, Morgan Riley, who's a good player, but I ju- he doesn't have a big threatening shot. Like, he's going to try and shoot through traffic, but they weren't getting much traffic in front against Montreal because they got some pretty heavy dudes and like Shea Weber, Joel Edmondson, Ben Sherratt, like they got some heavy guys and you know, they like to, they got some lumberjacks out there chopping wood. So it's tough to, to fight inside, especially on the power play. Um, and when you're not getting bodies then that just totally renders the both Sandine and uh, Morgan Riley ineffective, you had Marner who just wasn't doing much of anything. And then your net front guys weren't doing much because pucks weren't being sent towards on goal. So really, what does that leave? Austin Matthews to shoot the puck, and everyone knows that's happening. So they were just mm-hmm. getting in front of pucks, taking away passing lanes, and then all of a sudden you look at, up at the clock, your two minutes is winding down, and you don't have a shot on goal. If yeah, you man. didn't give it's, up a goal uh, on your own. It's bad. Like, yeah. It was, it, it's honestly like I was super stoked when, like if you go back and listen to, to like some of the early episodes um, early in the season when they hired Manny Mahaltra, I was super stoked about that hiring. I thought that he was going to come in and, and you know do some good things with this team. Mo- mostly, I was excited about the whole face-offs. I thought face-off, like he's a big-time face-off guy when he played in the league, always at the top mm-hmm. of the list. And I thought that he was going to um, improve Impart their, the their wisdom face-offs. of face-offs upon exactly, the team. Exactly, because that's what he <laughs> did last year in, in, uh, in Vancouver. So I thought, mm-hmm. do that here. And then they gave him, like, power play duties. And, like, I don't know if you remember Manny Mahalch's career, but he was a penalty killer. And mm-hmm. I, I guess you could say, like, yeah, okay, as a penalty killer, maybe that gives you, like, this weird mind to predict power plays and know what works and what doesn't work. And I guess if you're just a hockey mind in general, you, you'd you be fine. But he just wasn't able to adapt midseason and get this power play rolling. And I would be shocked if he's with this team next year, shocked. Like Keith, Keith, he'll be back. Dubas will be back. But if there's one coach who I am almost willing to put money on, like I'll mm-hmm. get in touch with them over at BetOnline.ag and see if we can make this a prop bet. Because I bet <laughs> that that 
Manny Malhotra is not with this club come next year because of how poorly he ran that power play. And that's the thing is, like, someone's going to take the fall, it would seem. But also, like, I think it's too early to move on from Keefe. He's still only a year and a half into his tenure, and he has done some good things. They've been really good under him in the regular season. And, you know, how much do you put stock into... What's that? Regular season means nothing. They know that. I know too, it means right? nothing. But also, how much do you put stock into like last year's like fake bubble first round against the Blue Jackets, and then this year's? Yes, it's obviously a real series and all that. But like, I don't know how you can lose your job over one and a half series losses. Like he doesn't have the baggage of the previous seven game series losses or anything like that. And so, like, I don't think Keith's gone. I don't think Dubas is gone. And I think they'd be stupid to move on from Dubas because as much as Dubas maybe, you know, had some issues here and there, I disagree maybe with the Felino trade or whatever it might be. Like, he's unquestionably very good at building a hockey team. He's great at working around the cap and working within the confines and, you know, using the Leafs' financial muscle. And I don't want some old hockey man in that seat. Like, I think Dubas is good at his job and shouldn't lose it, but... Like, it seems like someone's going to have to take the fall. And if it's an assistant coach, I don't know if that will satiate the angry masses, but I kind of think that's one of the only moves. And until, I guess you get to, like, player personnel stuff. But even then, like, I don't know. Mitch Marner was very disappointing. He has been bad in the playoffs. I don't think you just go trade Mitch Marner because you've lost five coin flips in the first round in a row. That seems like a bad way to do business. And he's 24 years old. Like, teams go through this stuff. I, I just... I'm having a hard time figuring out like what the path forward is here. So yeah, I guess Malhotra is the, the casualty. You try to run it back next year and hope that some of your younger guys like a Robertson and uh, Sandine maybe becomes, becomes more comfortable and less of a sort of glaring albatross like he was uh, <laughs> in this series in a lot of, in a lot of moments other than the time he scored. And maybe you hope that like a, a Rodion Amarov or someone can come up can, and, and fill a spot or whatever it might be. But I just I'm kind of at a loss for what the next step is. It, they've done everything to build a very good team that it, on from every sort of metric was absolutely a cup contender on the level of a Colorado Vegas Tampa. Like that's what they were coming into the playoffs. And maybe it's the inflated. Oh, we played against the, the North all season long. So things look better than they were. But I also think like on paper, everything suggests this team should be very, very good and capable of winning a ton. And until the fourth, fifth game of this series, it looked like they were going to do just that. And I don't really know what the next step is with all of that kind of in mind. I know. I know. It's it's obviously something that I'm going to have to work through over the next couple of months where I got nothing but time to ponder these things. <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying to so... eat into your content, content over the next couple of days here. Please. Uh... I, need to, I need to take... I, the thing yeah. is, too, right? Like, a lot of this, we're... The horn sounded about an hour ago mm-hmm. we are still extreme like a lot of this we're talking about is still very raw and i understand that I, a lot of what we're saying is a lot of what i'm saying i guess i'll put words in your mouth but a lot of what i'm saying right now is pretty emotionally charged i'll i'll readily admit <laughs> that and maybe in a couple of days once i've gotten over this extremely frustrating and disappointing exit for like the fifth time in a row, um, maybe I'll feel a little bit different about the way that, you know, about some of the things that I've said about some of the people um, on this team, whether that be coaches, management, some of the players. But at the end of the day, I, I like, it's just frustrating because the first five games, Toronto was clear-cut the better team in each of those. 
Yeah. Like they they could have swept this series. They could be they could have won all five of those first games. Carey Price stood on his head and stole a couple. And then some untimely errors. Um a cup you know, and a couple of those losses were really like the the difference in these games, a couple of moments. And then game 6 and 7 when it was really time to buckle down and it was time to try and and end this unbelievable cold streak of 17 straight years without a playoff uh, without winning a playoff round mm-hmm. and they just couldn't do it they just couldn't get over the hump and this was supposed to be a different year because they were actually good and you saw it early on how do you go and beat a team 5-1 in game 2 and then completely struggle in the final couple of games to generate any amount of offense Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on your sports action. The NHL playoffs are in full swing, and you can track all the action at betonline.ag. Get all the latest news, odds, and info on your sports needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action, and more. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website and use your mobile device to sign in today. Use a promo code locked on and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code locked on for 50% off your first deposit at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah. And like, I mean, look, we got to give some credit, I guess, to Montreal. Like no, they played we give a no credit to Montreal. supremely <laughs> none. That's they, not worth They played to do, a supremely okay? joyless style of hockey. And this is like, look, I come at this from a basketball lens. And so, like, I don't want this to sound like please like my sport or anything like that. It's just the differences in the sports and why I prefer one to the other when it comes down to it. But like the fact that the Habs can score a goal or two in game seven and then just completely sit back. Right. Get I think three shots for the rest of the game after they scored their second <laughs> goal and have the most joyless, unexciting style of hockey be the successful style of hockey. To me, that's a flaw in the sport. And I don't know how you fix it, whatever it might be. So credit to them for like leaning into that and playing a very defensive and shut it down style where there were not any easy shots for the Leafs. I don't think they got a single shot in the slot in this game, maybe until the very end. Like, I guess with the goal that Nylander scored was pretty close in, but like the shots were coming from low danger areas. Yep. The, the the Canadians had 67% of the high danger chances in this game per natural stat trick. Like you give them some credit for how they played, I suppose, and shut it down. But yeah, man, it, it just, it's so baffling. It, you want to do a, a little old taste exposed. Oh God. For me or for you? Uh, Here's a tweet from at Woodley Sean. I don't know who this guy is, but he seems like an idiot. Uh, (laughs) He tweeted this uh, on May 25th after game four. This Leaf series feels like the Raptors magic series where it's going to take some time to accept that Toronto is just a vastly superior team and is in fact not going to screw it up. (laughs) Sean, it's all your fault, man. It's yeah, man, I, I spoke way too soon. I have not learned from 20-something years of <sighs> this. Uh... 
The only thing, though... Uh, why like, do I tweet? Never tweet is never the answer. Tweet. That's never the thing. I was like, today, they asked me today on Overdrive, hey, you got a prediction for tonight's game? I'm like, no, I don't. No, I don't. Because whatever yeah, I say... is the prediction what, exactly. from, from now on. Because if I predict a win <laughs> and they lose, it's my fault that they lost. And all of Canada, all the Overdrive listeners are all now mad at me because they lost. <laughs> so I decided not to make a prediction ahead of tonight's game, but they lost anyway. So maybe now it's my fault See, yeah, because yeah. I didn't have the confidence uh, in the Leafs to win it. But why would you have confidence? Have you seen the last 20 years of this team? I saw the, the first last... four games and thought, wow, this Habs team sucks. Oh. oh, man. You know what, though? Like, as much as I want to give credit to the Montreal Canadiens, I can't because Toronto mm-hmm. outplayed them for a lot of this series. And when they, like, even if you, you could look at it two ways. Either Montreal played well and they shut things down or... Toronto shot themselves in the foot, and they just were extremely sloppy and couldn't get anything going. I I legitimately feel like Toronto was just sloppy. They were, you know, they just weren't crisp, especially tonight. Like insanely sloppy, botching clearing attempts. They weren't chipping it deep. It was getting stopped along the half wall and then shoved right back out into the transition. And Montreal was taking it the other way. They weren't connecting on passes. It wasn't tape to tape. It was sloppy. They were fumbling pucks and then by the time that they corralled it, Montreal was already on top of them and they had to just you know, get rid of it and then a turnover, of course. And just that consistently was happening the last more so tonight, but it also was happening in Game 6. And and those are just like, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. You're beating yourself. And this is what Toronto mm-hmm. does best. They beat themselves. And that's why it's yeah. so frustrating. It's not that Montreal won this series. They didn't. Carey Price, you can make the argument, won this series for them. But he was only even able to do that because Toronto shot themselves in the foot and lost it themselves. Yeah. I feel like we're nearing the end of this. I I, I wonder, yeah. I do have one sort of little positive nugget that I'd like to pass along that I, I'm at least sort of like, it's going to be the thing that warms me when I snuggle into bed tonight. And it's that William Nylander was so good in this series. Oh, he yeah. was, like you said, the best player in the series, I think, bar none. He was outstanding. I think he was so good in this series that he's kind of protected himself from being a casualty via trade this offseason which I think is good because I think he's awesome. And I think it's always been silly how much he's gotten crap. And I would hope that his performance in this series will kind of quiet that noise down for a while. And he just gets to continue playing for the Leafs on what looks like a pretty good contract at 7 million bucks. Like it's <laughs> not bad. It's not so bad to me. And, you know, again, I'm not like a go trade Marner guy, but I guess like if there is going to be a move, that's probably the one considering what he makes, but like, I don't even know in this cap climate, if you can even like make that trade, but yeah, the, the, the Nylander thing, I'm happy he played so well. That makes me happy. And I, it feels like he's kind of taken the heat off of him, the unwarranted heat uh, to be fair. And hopefully they can kind of go forward knowing he's like very clearly part of the solution and not part of the problem. Yeah, absolutely. Positivity. <laughs> Absolutely. William Nealander was the best player on the ice on both sides. He was fantastic. Yeah, five goals because he scored again tonight, right? Five goals, eight points through seven games, um, a plus three. I mean, I know plus minus isn't the best statistic, but whatever. I, I, I said it. Um, you know, I just know I was happy anytime he was on the ice because I knew something good was probably going to happen. And it wasn't just in the offensive end. He was a, mm-hmm. he was playing both sides of the ice, which is 
Something that I think um, I, I never really gave him credit for, for how strong, yeah, I, to be honest, he actually, like this was a coming out party for his two-way game, I would say. He's always kind of had a, a little bit of a, a laissez-faire attitude on the back check and, and on the four check, but something really triggered him at the start of this series, and he, he flipped the switch. Unfortunately, the rest of the team didn't do it around him, and that's why yeah. it's all over. And uh, it was a good run. It was a good season, you know, good regular season, that is. You know, a division championship for the first time in, in years. Uh, Matthews won the Rocket. Jack Campbell, you know, if he's not going to qualify. But, like, you take a look at, at his body of work this year. Barry Vesna-esque. I thought that, you know. That's this- another positive for next year, by the way, too. Uh, I'm assuming we're saying goodbye to Frederick Anderson. Like, yeah. I don't see the Leafs paying him. And if you go into the offseason, kind of knowing Jack Campbell's going to be your number one next year, making 1.6 million bucks, pretty good place to begin with, right? Like, yeah, obviously you'll need a backup or a couple to kind of mix in there, but maybe they can bring back Big Save Dave on a cheap deal or something. I, I think Campbell, that's another sort of bright spot. Like they found another goalie who might be even better than Anderson. He was really good in this series, aside from that one pumpkin tonight. And you you work around a one point six million dollar goalie who can give you starter production, then that's you know as far as a cap strap team, you can't really ask for much better than that. Totally, totally, and, and and you know I think it goes a long way when you know Hyman is up for for renewal, so you know he's got to get a new contract. We'll see if Bogosian wants to come back on a cheap deal like he just did this season. Um, yeah. We'll see if, if Hyman, by the way, feels like someone the Oilers are going to pay far too much money to. Well, <laughs> I don't know if they're going to be able to pay for him and Nugent Hopkins, though. So they're going to have to pick. And I'd be they shocked. They just do a little swap skis. Just, just uh, you know, Zach Hyman signs in, or, in <laughs> Edmonton for like nine million bucks a year. And Ooh. then the Leafs uh, go and poach uh, Nugent Hopkins. Perfect. <laughs> Well, let's uh Like I'm in that stage of grief right now. Where you're just already <laughs> looking looking forward. I still am not. And I guarantee you the rest of the week, um, I'm still gonna be breaking down this series and seeing what went wrong. Again, I need to get a good sleep and then kind of sleep on it and then tomorrow for tomorrow's podcast, hopefully I'll have some more clearer thoughts, some more rational thoughts. I kinda went off on a couple tangents, did some screaming today, but hey. That's what this, this podcast is. This podcast this it, is what it's supposed to be. They gave up a 3 1 series lead, Sean. A 3 1 yeah. series if I go lead. Back, okay. If I go back and listen to any of the podcasts I recorded after the Raptors lost to LeBron in a sweep, uh, it was probably similarly incoherent and rambly and sad. <laughs> so uh, this yeah. is exactly what you're supposed to do when bad things befall your team. <laughs> Let's just pray and hope that uh, the city of Toronto as we know it, does not go burning down to the ground. Uh, I'm up here in Scarborough, so I don't actually know what's going on in downtown, but um, (laughs) hopefully nothing bad is happening down there. And obviously by the time this podcast comes out, people will know because it would be all over CP24. 
and the news. Yeah. One so. last uh, <laughs> before we go, then on that kind of note, uh, on a similar vein, just a little another nugget of positivity, Mike, because uh, that's apparently what I'm bringing. Burning, despite feeling burning sad down the city is melting down. <laughs> burning no, down the city is a they're not going to burn down the city. The burn, burning down the city happens, you know, when you lose Cup Finals uh, on Vancouver or something like that, <laughs> as, as as I recall. Um, you know, I would assume people are being smart. We haven't lifted the pandemic orders yet, so people are going to be wise. We burn down their own homes, uh, but. The thing that does kind of feel nice is that they won't win a cup when a parade is not possible. You know what I mean? Like right. there's like a if you're looking for silver linings, maybe this wasn't the year to break the streak because only you know on one one hand it would have been oh they win their cup for the first time since '67, but it's in a shortened pandemic season. Doesn't count asterisk. Like that would have surely been the conversation. Yeah, and it would have been declared a fake title. And also, you wouldn't get to celebrate it properly. So actually, it's good the Leafs lost. Uh, after watching Colorado last <laughs> night, imagining the Leafs getting buzzsawed by Nathan McKinnon, uh, we've we've avoided that fate. It's a bummer they lost to the Habs. A second-round exit might have been the sweet spot this year. But, um, you know, it, it is not all the worst thing in the world because they were saved from winning a sham title, which is, uh, you know, an important thing to keep in mind. Sean? <laughs> You I'm, just, a, I'm, I'm just rec- you, I'm just like in full denial. <laughs> you've won a title in the last couple of years with the Raptors, so you know yeah. maybe sham titles. And don't I can feel, tell you, don't feel good. About I'm happy it. it happened before the pandemic. I'm so thankful it did because it would have been hollow and sad to win one during the pandemic when you can't properly celebrate with people. So, no, it would have been great. Um, that's, and fantastic. that's my final. It would have been Thought to leave off. <laughs> it would have been great and fantastic. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'll take a title, dude. I don't care if uh, if if they're playing out in the middle of like a, a, a deserted island in like the Caribbean and they win a title there. I don't care if they at least win a Stanley Cup and I don't have to celebrate it. Whatever. At least they won a Stanley Cup, but it's gonna have to wait at least one more year because uh, yeah, it's least, next year, right? It's, it's next it, it, year. It, it, yeah, we'll get them next year, boys. We'll get them next year. Yeah. Been um, saying that since Jeremy Roenick broke my heart in overtime in uh, 2004. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Going yeah. well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the Leafs eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's a wrap on the season. Not a wrap on the Locked on Leafs podcast, though. We will still be bringing you daily podcasts here. I've got a lot to unpack. Like I like I've been saying to Sean, I, I've I need to uh, to get a good night's rest and then have a maybe a clearer mind tomorrow to talk to you guys about what's next for Toronto. You know, we gave some some broad perspective about who we think may be you know the the domino to fall, who maybe have their head on a stake here, but things could change over the next little bit. And uh, here on Lockdown Leafs, I'll be sure to uh, fill you in, inform you, and give my thoughts on what is next for the Toronto Maple Leafs after another first-round exit, this time to the hands of the Montreal Canadiens. They squander a 3-1 series lead and lose Game 7 by a score of 3-1. to Have a good night, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully your day, actually it'll be daytime by the time you listen to this, Hopefully your day can be better than this night was. (laughs) And uh, I'll chat with you guys again real soon. Sean, appreciate you jumping on to, uh, to chat with me today.
Thanks for having me, man. It was nice to let all these feelings out because my fiance was just like looking at me confused and perplexed at my <laughs> rantings until you said, hey, want to come on the pod? And I was like, yes, I'll stop yelling at you and jump on the show with Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, here we are 40 minutes later. All right, guys, that will do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Lockdown Leafs. And Sean, where can, uh, where can the fans follow you at? And I'm sure we got some crossover fans as well. Yeah, yeah, you can find me at Woodley Sean. Uh, of course, you can, uh, you know, where, where I do really good tweets about how the Leafs are for sure going to win, among other things. Uh, and then you can listen to Lockdown Raptors uh, every day. We'll have uh, we're doing the player reviews right now, kind of sorting through the season from hell for the Raptors, and, mm. and talking about player by player until we get ready for the draft later this month. Yeah, I guess I got to start thinking about some off season material, huh? gotten to that point it's gotten to that point by the way i just uh, i'm reading now uh david alter our, our boy uh, sheldon keith says his guys were too devastated that he chose not to speak to the group after the game that's good stuff what baby what? sports sports sadness you gotta love it <laughs> what he didn't speak to his team after the game Oh, we gotta, I got to talk about this alone. tomorrow. That's that's good That's good friendship right Sean, there. Letting I, your friends be sad when they need to be sad. Nope, I got to talk about this all tomorrow. We're going to chat about there it tomorrow, go. guys. We've got topics tomorrow. Beautiful. We've got, <laughs> we've got some post-game coming up later in the week. We'll definitely have the end-of-year press conference from Sheldon Keefe, Kyle Dubas, all the players. We'll make sure we get all of that sound um, and definitely break it down for you guys as we head into the offseason. But that's going to do it for me here today on the podcast. Thanks so much. Uh, It was a hell of a season. It's unfortunate that it ended with an early round one exit. But I will be back with another episode tomorrow. And uh, until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leaf. Thanks.